Catholic community. Does it exist? Are we better off looking for Bigfoot or the Loch Ness Monster? Chris Baker, how you doing this morning? What do you think? Should we go uh should we go looking for Nessie? Probably got better luck there than than trying to find Catholic community, right? <laughs> I'm doing pretty well. I think there's uh definitely something to look into here. I, I don't know if you're gonna but find the reward anytime soon. It's uh <laughs> and we go to Scotland. <laughs> I think it'd be worth it. I, I wouldn't say community is a lost cause yet. I, where I believe. Loch Ness might I be. believe. I believe. Sorry to, sorry to believe. burst your bubble. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> I was thinking about how we should start. We got lots of stuff. You and I have talked about this before, uh, but I think we have some some new things to talk about as well that I, I, I think hopefully people will, will benefit from or, or maybe they'll be conversation starters. But what is community? What is the purpose? Is it just a buzzword? Uh, you're working for ID916. Um, I'm obviously uh, with Catholic Beer Club. Um, we kind of have two different connection points with what community is. Uh, but I thought that'd be a good place to start for us. And curious for your take. What, what is community? Uh, and, and how does ID916 look at that? What's the purpose? I mean, just have at it. Yeah, well, I think we should go back to the beginning uh, and remember that community is what we are created out of and what we were created for. So God is a community, right? Trinity, three persons and one God, the Father perfectly loving the Son, Son perfectly returning that love and loving the Father. That love is uh, so real and so perfect. It's the Holy Spirit, right? And so... um God is a community and that community as it, as it is so perfect needed um, to be able to overflow. Right. And he wanted to share his love with others. And so he created us um, out of love and, and to receive his love out of that community. And so if you look at that model, right, that God established for us, community is uh, once it starts it feels that uh desire to share it with more people and and you share it and grow that community by bringing those people new people into that community and sharing that love with them and kind of making them part of that community and so if you look at it in that light uh we really want to recreate or uh, just really live into uh, that reality of when, uh, so for instance, ID916, when we are working in a, a parish, we work with a leadership team of young adults. Um, but the very first thing that we do is help them to start living this, the rhythms of life uh, that lead to being an authentic community uh, with each other first, right? So, like, how are they living um, their lives? Uh, we call up in and out. So how are they living their lives up to the father? So that uh, personal interior life. Uh, but then also how are they living in? So how are they living into the community? How are they, um, you know, leaning on each other? How are they um, reaching out to each other? Essentially being an authentic community. And then, and then the, the one last thing is uh, living out. So going out to seek the lost, to invite other people into that community. Um, and so that's how, so sort of ID nine sixteen. So you guys uh, sort of are establishes communities. You're teaching people how to pray, or helping them develop a daily prayer life. Is that part of it? Yeah, not only to not only individually, but also as a team, as Very a cool. uh, as a Very yeah, as cool. a community. I like that. Uh, that was as we were prepping for the show. I was thinking about religious communities and the rule of life, uh, and then. Uh, what's the what's the phrase you use for it in the home? The not domestic church, um, domestic monastery. Is that what we call that? But just a, a religious order in your home, sort of. Oh yeah. Uh, d- domestic monasticism. Domestic <laughs> um, <laughs> and so having that rule of life uh, that here's when we pray as a family together. Uh, here's when we do all this, and and at home, um, 
we can certainly have community. Uh, but that's what I was thinking about as well. This, this rule of life has something to it. There's a common goal. There's a common way of living uh, that, that brings purpose to the community. Just people surrounding each other is community. Uh, people living in community and to live a common way of life, specifically the Catholic life, that's Catholic community. And so I think sometimes we scream community, community, community. Uh, I think uh, I like the way you say it. Uh, what do we want? Community. What's the mission? Community. How are we going to do that? Community. <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. And it just, it doesn't work. It falls apart. Uh, so I, I think that's, that, that's cool with ID 916. I didn't know that uh, with, with Catholic beer club. And I'm curious for your take here as well. Uh, cause I know you were, you were a focused missionary. You were uh, on campus as a student and, and as a missionary there. Uh, but there, there seems to be this very obvious sense that community is greater in college as opposed to afterwards. And uh, what I've seen with Catholic beer club is when people want to start a city or if they're showing up to events, uh, I, that's, they're like, what is Catholic beer club? And the pitch is pretty simple. It's look, it's really easy to find friends on a college campus. You're crammed in there like sardines, like finding people is not hard being around people. But when you graduate, you just objectively have less leisure time. You are not living next door, literally, to Catholic galore, if you're in a Catholic dorm, uh, or even just a Newman Center. Everybody is your same age. Everybody around you is a potential friend, uh, and, and parishes just look a little different. And so that, that easy atmosphere where you just bump into people all the time, high opportunity i mean purely just a statistical level your, your odds of meeting a friend your age on a college campus that's catholic is way higher than after college so catholic beer club just makes it easy to find easier to find uh other young catholics your age in a similar life situation uh and then you can build community from that i wouldn't describe catholic beer club as a uh, catholic community per se uh, I would use the analogy of uh, perhaps parishes don't know what to do with us. A hundred years ago, there wasn't a Catholic young adult demographic. It didn't exist. Uh, the We were in religious orders or married. <laughs> I mean, the and, and I think some of these parishes do a pretty good job now. Um, they've, they've been asked about us for a while. Uh, the analogy I was thinking about was, we're kind of like Dennis the menace <laughs> and, and nobody knows what to do with us. And Mr. Wilson is, is kind of the scene as uh, the parish a little bit. It's like, what the heck, why won't they do anything for us? Who is this grumpy old man, Mr. Wilson? And Dennis comes around. It's like, geez, get out of here. And then Mrs. Wilson is, is the sweetheart. That's what we want to find uh, somebody to, to welcome us into the community and, and meet all our needs perfectly. I think sometimes they're outrageous. Uh, and sometimes we just, get caught in consumerism, uh, which I think you have some, some good items to talk about there, but that's, that's Catholic beer club is, is Mrs. Wilson uh, for, for the Dennis, the menace young adults. It's hey, we're the, the front door. Uh, here's this community, this Catholic community in the house, whatever it looks like. Uh, so I like to use our, our Phoenix chapter as an example. They uh, have the Catholic beer club events. A lot of people met at the Catholic beer club events. Uh, anywhere from 50 to young adults have been through uh they call it Whiskey Wisdom Wednesday, um, but I've seen different things in different cities where it's uh, an evening of discussion on a like a Bishop Barron video or just some other uh, catechetical resource, and the, the, they just have the discussion topic, and then the, the format for the discussion is organized, but it's in someone's home. Uh, it's not like a classroom setting. It's very uh, informal. Uh, they have dinner usually, um, and so a big aspect of it is as much the relationships as it is uh, learning and growing, and so it's something people want to come back to that's been really, really successful, and that's that I think hits closer to the mark of what a community is, and Catholic Beer Club just helps initiate that, get rid of some of those initial roadblocks. Uh, so I think that's, that's why I would describe how Catholic Beer Club fits into that, uh, but uh, back to the college campus a little bit, why uh, a sense of community greater on the campus versus 
when you graduate? I talked about less leisure time, but did you have anything to add to that, especially being a student yourself and then focus as well, anything you, you ran into and then the transition <laughs> afterwards? Yeah, and I'll, <clears throat> I'll actually back up just a little bit. Um, I did want to say that as we're talking about young adults, we have to recognize that young adult was not a demographic before. Uh, this is a, a relatively new right. uh, distinction made in adulthood. Um, in fact, like if you look far enough back, you know, it's kind of like until you're 12 years old, yeah. you're a child, and as soon as you're 13, you're an adult, you know. Like, I've heard the story about this 12-year-old who is, like, the, the captain of the ship. And he's, like, totally commanding, like, all these other adults. <laughs> so, so just, like, you know, there was definitely a, a distinction between the past and now. And so, as we look at young adults now, we have to recognize that uh, this is a um, – it, it is different, but also it's brokenness, right? Like, it's a broken system. We're not supposed to have to – um, have all these different types of ministries and things like that because ministries are, uh, in a sense, seeking mm. to provide a solution to a problem. And so ministries are amazing, and like, that's why I'm part of one, um, and we should be doing them now. But just recognizing, too, that um, if the thing is broken and we do our job really, really well, eventually hopefully like the the actual hope of doing this ministry is that we'll one day work ourselves out of a job right because there won't be a need for us anymore um but uh so with that and looking at communities especially on college campuses versus the parish um i I do like your uh, dennis the menace analogy um (laughs) it it is very true (laughs) uh and it is kind of the reality right now Unfortunately, it's not what it's supposed to be, right? Again, it, it would, this is the reason that ministries need to exist at this point. Um, and so looking at the college versus the parish, you're right. Like the college is, is you know, a cluster of young adults, of, of really young adults, um, you know, college students, usually 18 through 22. Um, they're, it's the first time they're living on their own, usually. Um, they definitely are faced with a lot of new responsibilities and they have one job to do, (laughs) you know, they, their job is to get through school uh, and perform really well um, and get that degree. And so, but amidst that, there's a, a culture on the college campus that kind of emerges of, you know, hanging out with each other. Everyone's there new. And so this there's a push there's a really big push for community um of all sorts it looks different different sections of the campus um but you're right like if if a catholic college student walked onto a campus the first day and was like i want to find good catholic friends where do i find them well either maybe you have a catholic dorm but if you're on a super secular ca- uh, campus then maybe you don't so where do you go right and you right. mentioned the newman center right great place to go you know you just know you're going to find catholics there because you'll find the sacraments uh you'll find hopefully some helpful staff and um and usually they're you know very happy to welcome you in and and get you plugged in uh and and by doing that you're going to meet a lot of other catholic young adults and so that's great uh and that works really well because the whole purpose of that say newman center is plugging in young adults um if you look at the parish in contrasting that um, the reality, like you mentioned, is like you walk in, may, you know, in, in the best parishes, people welcome you. They they try to get you plugged in. But just as an as another parish member, um, as in the worst cases, no one welcomes you and you walk in and find a seat and you walk out at the end and no one has really smiled at you. No one has welcomed you. Uh, and no one really knows you were there. You you weren't seen, you know, you definitely don't feel a sense of belonging to that particular parish. And so then I think a lot of that has turned into the parish hopping where it's like, well, whatever, whatever church offers the best time for me, 
or the most convenient time this Sunday. Um, I'll just go to that. Yeah, so this and, is, <clears throat> yeah, it's interesting you bring that up. I was kind of wondering when the, in my, it's in my show notes here. I thought I'd bring it up. So this is from uscatholic.org. Uh, Chris, you know, I've talked about national Catholic reporter before that's James Martin. He's the editor at large there. We're not a huge fan of them reading these guys. It, it sounds pretty similar. Uh, but I have two points from this article. One of them is really bad, <laughs> so get ready. And then one of them is really good, uh, which will redeem things a little bit uh, in a sense. But uh, in this article, it's talking about, uh, what's the title? Yeah. Stop giving young adults special treatment at church, uscatholic.org. You can go uh, take a look at it. <clears throat> and so it's just talking about the difficulties of Catholic community for young adults. Uh, here is an excerpt from it. It says, attending Weekly Mass is important, and corporate worship and the Eucharist are vital parts of the Catholic faith, but belonging to a church community is about so much more. I had to pause for a second and go, what? Uh, But when I read it, I was like, dang, this is what a lot of us do. Uh, If... As you started with, if, if community, Catholic community, is centered on the love of the Trinity extended through all of us. If the church is the body of Christ, uh, if we are adopted sons of the King, if that's, if that's really what it is, uh, I think part of this is we're trying to solve a, a, nat- a natural worldly problem when in fact it's a spiritual problem. It's, we're, we're closing ourselves off to uh, graces perhaps uh, that go from there. We don't feel the sense of community uh, and the, the, we, we start looking for it in natural ways. And we don't see the spiritual thing. And this is an extreme. I mean, someone that says the, the phrase corporate worship just makes me squirm a little bit. <laughs> I'm not the only one wondering what to do with that. Uh, and then just putting the Eucharist second in a sentence, like there's, there's more to belonging to a church community than the Eucharist. That's ridiculous. Um, the, it is the source and summit. It's not, yes, just receive the Eucharist and, and you're good. There's more to it. Um, but this just belittles it, I think. Uh, but it did, it did point out to me, I was like, man, I was like, we need to, to really take a hard look at the spiritual aspect here. Uh, and it, it ties into kind of the, uh, the redeeming factor here. Um, I'm not sure if I can find it now, but basically uh, the, the, the gal that writes this article, she talks about how she stopped looking at her parish uh, community as just other people. So she talked about going to a parish event and everybody being older than her. And I, I know this because I've been to a Knights of Columbus gathering before, and I was 30 years younger than everyone there. <laughs> which is a strange feeling to walk in. Uh, mm-hmm. But all those guys get excited out of their pants that a young guy's there. And you're just like, this is weird. I do not want to come back to this. Uh, the mindset change she did is she started looking at it as uh, like a family gathering. So she's like, this is my extended family. This is my, uh, like if, if you go to a family reunion, yeah, sometimes you are the only person or one of the few people your age. It's parents. It's really little kids. It's uh, old people, grandparents. Like uh, sometimes the demographic is just way out of whack. And you're like, what the heck? I don't want to be here. It's your family. Uh, and so if you look at how St. Paul starts literally everything he writes in Scripture almost, it's brothers and sisters. Brother, every exhortation is brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters. So I think this identity of family uh, has been lost. And if the, the bond of the Eucharist was, was truly the primary thing for us, and we, we truly uh, reflected on the spiritual reality of that and grew further and further in that, uh, that would, I think, help change our mindset a little bit on kind of just the true meaning of community here, just removing the buzzword from it and, and getting to what's going on here. Catholic community, what makes us unique? It's, this is it. Uh, and I think, Chris, you had, I don't know if you have the quote dialed up in front of you. If not, I can, I can get it. 
Uh, but the, the quote you found on consumerism, I think that's, that's the attack. That's, that's what we're dealing with in our culture. Uh, not just in this country, but in others, I, I, I'm sure. Or maybe it's more of this country. I don't know. Americans are, are pretty bad at this. But the consumerism, you talked about that. Uh, and I, I think that's what prevents us from taking an optimistic view of, well, e- even other young adults, they're not like people I get along with really well. Well, they're your family. That's your brother or your sister. Uh, I think consumerism, we, we want things to be easy. Um, do, do you have that quote dialed up? You should read that. If not, I can pull it up here. Yeah, I do. Um, so the quote is, uh, and sorry, and so it's from Our Lady of Good Success. Uh, so that's in Quito, Ecuador. She gave this message. Uh, she said, I feel like this, or she said, in order to free men from bondage to these heresies, those whom the merciful love of my most holy son will destine for that restoration will need great strength of will, constancy, valor, and confidence in God. To test this faith and confidence of the just, there will be occasions in which everything will seem to be lost and paralyzed. This will be then the happy beginning of the complete restoration. Um, and so with gotcha. that, what, what about the, what about the knowing, Jesus culture one? Um, I forgot about that one. So now we have, we have two, but the Jesus culture one, you remember that one? I got, yeah, I got it up here already. Uh, no, uh, so if you have it. So jesusculture.tv. This, this one was a freaking truth bomb. Here we go. So we all have a deep longing to be connected to others, but in our search for community, we seem to be thrown off when there is a struggle involved. The Western culture of consumerism, without us realizing it, actually undermines the very thing we long for. Consumerism's goal is to remove all struggle to get rid of all obstacles, to make it as easy as possible so that you will, you will spend money there. When it comes to spending our money, we are looking for the businesses that make our life easier. But the struggling community is actually healthy and part of the process. As much as I love staples, we can't walk into the church and expect there to be an easy button. Yeah, expecting to, to be an easy button. Yeah, that was the end of the quote there. <laughs> uh, what do you think about that? That was your find. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I just had to find it again for us this morning. But uh, what do you what do you think about that? Is that is that eating away at us right now? Is that is that killing us in our efforts to to create community? Yes, um, but it comes from what you were talking about. Like if if the every parish was and and the people in it were truly focused on the spiritual reality of the necessity to attach ourselves to Christ, right? As as much as possible as frequently as possible um you would see a lot more people more consistently in the parish um and as that would happen you would start to see the parish looking more like what it should look like because you mentioned this with the college campus there's tons of people um who are all young adults but if you want to find a specific type of young adult you know where to go Go to the Newman Center. They're all there. Well, it should be this just as simple. If you move to a new city for a job that you just got right after college, you're single, uh, you're moving to a new city with no family, no friends that you've already established there. Um, you're only moving for the job. You should be able to say, where's the local parish? I'm going to go there because I know that I'll find a lot of people that are Catholic and I also people that are my age that are Catholic. And so I'll find community there uh, that I can jump into. I can be part of. Um, so that's what it should look like. It should be possible at this, at this point in time, the reality is not that uh, because like you're mentioning, there's this gap. Uh, we have kind of, you know, aging parishes. Um, and I think again, there's, there's the best ones and there's the worst ones. And then there's a lot in the middle, but what you see with the best ones is that, you have a lot of young kids, uh, usually, you know, infants, babies, young, younger kids, teenagers, um, things like that at the best parishes. But in your average parish, there aren't any babies. There aren't any, there aren't many kids. Um, and there's definitely no young adults. And so what the demographic looks like 
is it's mostly 40 up. Uh, maybe there's the 30, you know, mid 30 year olds who are, who have families and they have young kids of their own. And so they might be there. Um, and so just like taking in that reality that as you look at parishes and you look at who's registered in parishes, who is tithing or, um, understands really just stewardship as a whole. So time, talent, treasure, who understands that really well anymore? Um, and I, I wouldn't say young adults do as a whole that we haven't really been taught that. And we, we don't really practice that as a whole. Um, because if you look at the registrations, if you look at the tithing in parishes, if you look at the ministries and outreaches of parishes, they're right. not full of young adults. Um, the, the average age for um, the people involved in ministries who are actually registered and tithing in parishes is 40 and up. And, the problem is if, if we don't get young adults essentially educated on that and, and refocused on the spiritual reality of the parish and, and that Christ is at the center of that, um, the source and summit, then we're going to continue seeing the churches, our parishes, getting older and older. And you'll have fewer and fewer people who are registered, fewer and fewer people who are tithing. Uh, and, and those ministries are going to start shutting down because there won't be enough people to do them. Um, and so that's kind of a, you know, too, not, not to be too weak, <laughs> um, but like if, if we don't, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if, if we don't, if we're not doing something with young adults to help them see that and to get plugged into the parish and, and start living that reality, that's what we will see. And so there is hope because there are young adult ministries that exist and that are creating authentic community. Um, and, and with that, you know, that con uh, contrasting that you put out there, of a real community and consumerism, a community is not uh, in existence for the sake of itself, right? Like it's not supposed to just be a community for community's sake. Like you mentioned earlier, a real community has a mission attached to it that all those members have agreed on and say like, yes, this is our purpose. This is our mission. This is what we we come together to do, right? This is how we live. Um, and unfortunately the buzzword of community. So kind of like, you know, it's, it's been taken and, and really um, changed to fit this, but the buzzword of community is actually more consumerism because what it, what's happened in parish realities is that people have seen those declining numbers of everything, baptisms, marriages, uh, first communions, confirmations. They've seen uh, decline in tithing. Right. They've seen decline in registrations, all those things, right? There's all those statistics. But what, what they respond with is, okay, we know that we have a young adult problem, that we don't see them. Um, and we want to see them. We want to get people in the pews who want to get this uh, local community thriving. And so there's very good intentions, right? And, and that's, I, I don't want to discount that. I think all, at least a heavy majority of parish staff members truly want to see their parishes thriving because they love them. They care about them. They're, they are part of that community. Usually they've been there for a long time. Um, and so they have extremely good intentions. Um, but, what happens is the mindset's kind of a little bit off instead of being in sort of an abundance mindset or a growth mindset of like, okay, well, here's the problem. How do we respond to the core of that problem? They are more in a scarcity mindset, which says we are completely losing so many people. How do we get people in the pews? What do we need to do to get them in? And so then they focus on that as the goal. The goal is to have people in the pews. The goal is to have so, more numbers, so I got essentially. an example here um, that I think fleshes this out. So let's start with uh, our, uh, our, our faith community. Here, another buzzword. <laughs> um, <clears throat> any parish I've ever like, been on mass at, they all have, and you've seen this, the longest mission statement and the most confusing thing with as many buzzwords as possible in it, like every time without exception. And you know, they spent six months deciding what that mission statement should be. Am I right? <laughs> yeah. Mission worst statements literature. are always, but the worst what are they trying to do? They're trying to establish the mission. What is it? 
and establishing a mission for a parish it doesn't make any sense uh it's called the great commission everybody's got the same one should be uh should look the same across the church but uh nonetheless they have i think they're onto this with with good intentions they say yep here's community we need a mission we can't just be around each other what's the mission where are we going there's this just natural desire for it that's where that's coming from uh but this consumerism aspect the the struggle being taken away uh and also the 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 lack of the spiritual aspect is that is that the next step is that why their efforts are not fruitful they write the mission statement they want people in the pews like you're generally there i'm, I'm with you on all of that uh but does it fall short because uh i i mean let's let's do uh I think I think most people are familiar with the reason McDonald's has the fish fillet is Catholics, uh, but but maybe they don't know the story here. And I think this this reveals uh, maybe some of how the struggle is gone, and, and maybe the generational thing too. Not not struggle is gone, but significantly lessened, um, and then the impact that has. So these are kind of some interesting highlights I saw. So the the fish fillet. Uh, started in Cincinnati. Uh, Lou Groen uh, was a, a franchise owner there. Uh, and basically his sales were getting crushed because Catholics, darn Catholics, would not eat meat on Friday. Wouldn't do it. Uh, because uh, 70 years ago, it was that was on the books. You, you didn't eat meat on Friday. Any Friday, not just Lent. And uh, so, I mean, this guy just had zero business whatsoever. Where his franchise was in Cincinnati, it was heavily, heavily Catholic. Uh, and so he was just getting destroyed. So he had this idea, oh, I need a fish sandwich. Uh, there was actually another restaurant in town that had a fish sandwich. So he uh, pitched it to the CEO of McDonald's. Um, and <laughs> here, was the, uh, <laughs> here was the response of the CEO, Ray Kroc. Um, he writes about it in his book. Uh, he says, I don't care if the Pope himself comes to Cincinnati, he can eat hamburgers like everybody else. <laughs> that, 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 was, that was the first oh, pitch wow. here. Um, he said he, he hated the idea of uh, the restaurant uh, being stunk up with the smell of fish. Um, and I'm just, it's crazy here. But uh, so long story short, the, the fish filet was a huge success. Um, for McDonald's and that was Catholics. That was, uh, I mean, people were doing it. They were not eating meat on Friday. Uh, that's hard. I mean, I don't know many people who actually like the fish. Do you like the fish filet sandwich, Chris? I'm not a huge fan. I, yeah, it's no good, <laughs> No, <laughs> but maybe it was better back then before they, they got, <laughs> they got super cheap. I don't know, but, uh, it was a big seller for them. Um, and, but Catholics were taking it seriously. That's hard not to eat meat every Friday. It's inconvenient. I forget. Uh, like in Lent, I have to catch myself. It's like, this is not a normal part of the culture. This is an, it's inconvenient. It's a struggle. It's the opposite of consumerism. Uh, but all Catholics did it. There was a camaraderie with that. Uh, if you went to McDonald's, like in that Cincinnati franchise, you were buying fish filet. Everybody else was buying a fish filet. You see someone buying a fish filet on Friday. It's like, oh, that's probably a Catholic. Um, I think you saw more things like that culturally, whereas now it's not as cultural. Um, and so even just looking at, uh, we talked about consumerism, less leisure time, uh, a parish different than a Newman Center. I'm going to add one more to the list on where I think this sense of community is, is decreased. Um, and we're going to get bleak here again, but in uh, 1965, uh, we have some statistics on uh, where it is. It uh, Kenneth C. Jones has it's his index of leading Catholic in, in indicators. Um, the Church since Vatican II um, was his book. He published it on there. There in there. Uh, so 19. 1965, he's looking at the population of Catholics, uh, basically 74% are going to mass. Uh, today, it's about 25% uh, are going to mass. So that's uh, just, just to draw like the point here, that was 60 million Catholics were 
not eating meat on Friday and we're going to mass. Uh, now, today, if you take those statistics and flesh it out, we're down to about 17.8 million. It's like, okay, so there's 40 million less Catholics. There's just objectively less Catholics. It's less cultural. You see it less. Of course, there's less of a sense of community. There's just objectively less Catholics. Uh, I mean, it's, it's like, oh, I'm in, I live in North Dakota right now. Nobody plays soccer up here, Chris. Why? Because it's cold. The, the sport up here is hockey. That's like me going, man, there's no community for, uh, for like soccer players up here at all. There's just nothing going on. There's no, well, that's because everybody loves hockey up here. Duh, the population is just smaller. Uh, I think that's, that's part of this as well. Um, and so I think some of these uh, aspects of our faith that we had to struggle to get to, um, perhaps good intentions, but uh, I think they've, I think it's hurt us. It's taken away some of the struggle. Uh, and one last bit on the story, it says, uh, this is the, the CEO. Um, he, he told Catholic members of, of the executive team at McDonald's, he said, you fellows just watch. Now that we've invested in all this equipment to handle fish, the Pope will change the rules. Uh, he guessed right. After the Second Vatican Council in 1965, uh, the Roman Catholic Church slackened its rules on fasting. Meat on Friday was allowed except during Lent. How's that? Actually, it's still in the books. Um, it's either they, they allowed fair. an indult, an which means essentially an exception. Yeah, so if you are doing some other fast instead, right. then you don't have to do the meat on Fridays. Um, but something has to be done still. So it's actually on the books. But then, yeah, you're right. Culturally, it seems to be completely gone. Uh, I just, I want to say, I think it's <laughs> ironic in the best way that, that you used a consumeristic example to describe consumerism in the church. Yes. Or like, <laughs> uh, because... Right, McDonald's is. They, if the consumerism goes consumerism. away, we have no more McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> right, um, but to compare that to the church too, it's it's actually it, this also um, exemplifies this really well because what McDonald's did, right? It was let, let's just say the CEO was the Pope and the local owner was like, mm, right. Let's just say the bishop, right? Um, now, or even a priest, whatever. But like the the analogy works either way. But if McDonald's looks around and says, "Man, Fridays we're getting crushed. There's no one that comes. Right. This is such a bummer. I don't know what to do. I'm in a scarcity mindset because I don't have enough. Right. I'm not making enough sales. I can't keep the restaurant." Um, running well on Fridays. I got to do something to get people in here. And so he becomes innovative. He, he comes up with an idea on how to get people in because that's his goal. And I, I just think it's so interesting because the CEO is supposed to right. be the champion of the mission of, of what they do uh, because of why they believe that they exist. And it's so interesting that because of the strong culture they changed right. their mission. There was a mission drift, right? And I think that's actually what we've seen in a lot of parishes is that amidst a very strong culture coming from the world, the secular culture, the post-Christian culture, we have seen a lot of parishes with great intentions starting to have mission drift, yeah, I like that. I was what are your thoughts the next on that? thought I had was um, we got a handful of minutes left here. I don't want to push this off too soon, but uh, I was thinking about uh, how do we turn the tide locally? So we've kind of been going at this with a high level. Um, I, I agree there there is a drift. Um, the, the, just the, the mission strategy is changing in parishes, but uh, I don't know if. Uh, the, the parish is a big tugboat to move. It's, it's a challenge and it, it doesn't necessarily, there's not a cookie cutter solution. Uh, but I mean, the people in that, that come to Catholic beer club events, the people at ID 916 or just familiar with it, just young adults in general, mm -hmm. they're, they're typically not 
hyper plugged into their parish. They go to mass, faithful Catholics, they're, they're, they're doing their thing. Uh, but they're not, they're not hyper plugged in, uh, to the parish. They're not sitting on the parish council, uh, making decisions, doing things. Um, and I'm, uh, I'm not necessarily advocating that's what should happen per se. Um, I, I don't know if that's the best way to actually enact change or, or serve this need. Um, I'm curious if, as far as turning the tide, uh, how, how do we get to, to bring a couple analogies here together? How do we get Dennis the menace to, to eat a fish filet? <laughs> uh, like how, how do we get young adult Catholics, um, to, to community, to embrace, uh, struggle together, to, uh, cast off consumerism, uh, to jump in. What, what can young adults do in their cities, uh, to make this happen? I mean, uh, it's not, there's a lot of people out there, Chris, and I've been one of them, try and start a small group, try and build community and it doesn't work. And you just scratch your head. Why? What the heck is going on? Or you start a Bible, like at focus, you start a Bible study. It just doesn't go. Um, I think sometimes there's the lack of struggle, but I know you've had groups that do uh, Exodus 90. That is not easy. Holy cow. That's, <laughs> that is a challenge uh, for sure. And camaraderie is, is built from that. You get brotherhood, you get really good friends. And I think that's what people really want when they want community. They want really close friends. Um, but they want it to be easy. And so, uh, that's, that's what, what, what perhaps can we offer people there? Um, yeah. So I think three words would help with this. It's identity, belonging, and purpose. Uh, and so to use that in that example, um, what what you're saying there's also this quote that you know it's it's attributed to peter drucker but it says culture eats strategy for breakfast right and and so all we have with like oh i don't know what to do let's try a small group let's try um getting together and watching these videos you know let's try this and that so there's a lot of strategy there's a lot of people who are wondering what to do and they come up with ideas um and a lot of times the strategies are pretty good um, in theory, right? But then they don't work. And you're like, I don't understand. This was, this seemed like a great idea. It seemed like I was answering exactly what people wanted. Um, but the strategy without the culture will always fail because any strategy is neither effective nor ineffective. Uh, it's actually the culture, the, the way that it's led, the way that people belong to it, that it uh, thrives or does not thrive. And so I think what happens, and you mentioned Exodus 90, I think that's successful for a couple of reasons. It's not always successful. Um, I think what, what makes it successful, because that's just another strategy, um, is that it provides opportunities to build a culture among the, the guys going through it. And so the, the three words I put out there, I think you have to start with... Um, do the people that you're trying to get into that small group or into, you know, bring them into your ministry. Do they feel that um, who they, like, I guess who they believe they are, like what they believe about their identity. Does it resonate resonate with that mission, with that strategy? So what's what's an example of that just to to help people see that? So, for instance, like I did in Exodus 90 um, and I got guys to do it. But the reason that they wanted to do it was like I didn't have to really bend their arms. Right. Other than like with a cold shower, you know, like <laughs> the thing that <laughs> everyone gets stripped up with a cold shower. But like they wanted to do it because it resonated with their identity in the sense that they believed they were Catholic men who needed to essentially put on the armor of God and be strong Catholic men that could fight and serve, uh, fight the spiritual battle and then serve and protect those that they're entrusted with. Uh, and specifically in that case, their, their wives and their children. And so the, the identity of who does this, who takes cold showers, who does fasting and prayer consistently, right. people that resonate right. 
uh, resonate with that identity of I need to be a strong Catholic man. I need to pr provide and protect and serve those that I'm entrusted with. And so how do I do that? Why would I do fasting and prayer and, and spiritual disciplines? Because it actually hones that. It helps me to do that more. And so that identity was there. Now, that's the first part. The second word was belonging. So as you go through, if you are cultivating a culture within that uh, strategy or you know, method that you're using, that will determine whether or not people remain till the end and feel part of it and maybe would do it again in a sense, right? Because if they feel like as they go through the brotherhood, especially in Exodus 90, the brotherhood starts to develop. Um, they start to go through the suffering together. They start to have the same obstacles or, um, and, and the beauty of it is that sometimes they'll have the op obstacles at different times. And so they just made, you know, one guy just made it through this obstacle and can now help this other guy who's now just getting to it. And so the, the brotherhood that develops in Exodus 90, if you have the right culture of guys, we need to lean on each other. We need to help each other. This is what it's all about. Like if we're going to be better men, we need to have a group of men who can encourage us, who can walk with us, um, push us through those obstacles when we're really about to give up, right? And so the culture develops. You have a sense of that you belong to this group and these guys belong to you, um, that you're responsible for their um, success. And ultimately with Exodus 90, uh, because it does involve that spiritual component, you're, you're partly responsible right. for their holiness, right? Um, and so there's identity, there's belonging, and then there's the purpose, which um, when you do that, right, what is the goal of this? It's not to do Exodus 90 forever. The goal of this is to help me acquire certain uh, spiritual and physical disciplines so that I can uh, live out my purpose, right? What is my purpose? To be a strong Catholic man, to be the, the man that God created me to be, to serve and protect those he, he entrusts to me. Like they resonated resonated with uh, with that identity and then they lived into that purpose once they felt a sense of belonging to that group and could right. and had walked through that for a time so i believe that um identity belonging and purpose are necessary for strategies and methods to work because if you don't have a strong culture you just have another strategy and it's typically going to fail or it will thrive for a minute the purpose and then fall one, away uh... I, I would tack onto that. That's all. That's all awesome. Um, with purpose, it's understanding who the audience is. So I've noticed uh, Matthew Kelly, love him or hate him. Uh, if you take a book like his, uh, just something simple, practical. Um, it's more of a inspirational or a motivational uh, type book to get people going. Uh, that doesn't stick with with most of just the groups of guys I've, I've ever been a part of a group with or tried uh, to start a group with or, or had one with, it just doesn't stick. It's not a challenge and men like to be challenged um, especially, um, but I think young adults in general, I think there's with, with the purpose, it's understanding uh, what does the group feel as their purpose. You have to take the time to kind of discern that um, and just things that are, are intellectually robust um, doesn't have to be something hyper challenging and crazy, but people like to grow, to uh, be pushed, to be pulled to something higher. Uh, there just seems to be a, an innate call with, with young adults. Um, and then the identity, uh, I think there's, I mean, you, another buzzword here, but you talk about identity crisis. I think young adults, I mean, that's, again, we talked about this demographic not existing a hundred years ago. Well, yeah, they're trying to figure out who the heck am I? There is no one in history like this demographic before. Those aren't their exact thoughts, uh, to be honest, but they're like, I'm not married. Everybody else around me in this parish is married. They've got kids. Uh, I'm different. What does that mean? Uh, and so I think uh, when starting a group, um, whether that's a small group, whether that's something like an ID 916 or whether that's something like uh, the Whiskey Wisdom group in Phoenix or, or others, just anything you're trying to pull together. Uh, I've found explicitly saying to the group uh, what the identity is out loud is really helpful. So it's like, what is this group? Define it, say it out loud. So 
up here it was uh, with our small group it was this is uh you're committed you're in uh like this we we are guys that want to grow um, we're, we're studying uh the summa from thomas aquinas so very intellectually robust it's hard uh and it's uh we it, it very explicitly part of it just up front it was we want guys who want to be friends with the other guys in the group who want to be intentional about it. It's like, look, I don't know you, but we're going to get to know each other. That's part of it. That was an expectation up front. That was the identity. And these like just listing off things. Everybody wants, everybody wants new friends. Everybody wants close friends. Everybody wants to grow all of it, but like explicitly saying it out loud uh, made everybody explicitly have to look and go, is that my identity or is that not my identity? Uh, and I think that that definitely helped a lot. Um, and I know with, with Exodus 90, I remember you telling me about a couple conversations with guys just wanting to be men, uh, and, and lead their families. It's like, yeah, that's me. I want that. Um, <laughs> and then boom, go, they're in, they, they connect with the identity that you're pitching for the group. Uh, and it happens. And it seems like explicitly saying that out loud certainly helps. Yeah. And I think it's important to remember too, that, um, all these different methods and strategies may have a specific mission or like how they live out the mission, but everyone just by nature, their baptism has, you know, what's kind of being called the unit, the twin calls, the twin calls of uh, holiness and the call to mission. Right. And so uh, holiness, we are called in the gospels to love the Lord, your God above all else and to love your neighbor as yourself. Right. So we have that call to holiness uh, and, you know, to be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. So we have that. And then we have the call to mission, which, you know, you mentioned earlier, like <laughs> that, right. that should be every church's mission too, right? Like go make disciples of all nations. Uh, and so we have this, these twin calls to holiness and to mission that apply to every baptized person. Um, and then anything else you do, whether, you know, it's an Exodus 90, whether it's, um, any small group, young adult group in a parish, uh, whatever it is, they should all be tied. Their mission should be a unique way for that local community to be living out these twin calls of holiness and mission that the broader church has a responsibility right. to right. live out right? and so to answer. Last thing here, uh, we, should, we should certainly give a plug a little bit and we fit into this demographic. What about uh, young married couples with kids families uh they're screwed right they're better off <laughs> looking for bigfoot or, or or nessie there's no way you can have community for married couples because you can't go to the bar anymore uh you have to stay home home with your kids and have no friends right <laughs> you're probably doing something wrong if you're still hey, going to the Paul, bar, for good friends. Old, well, the bar. I'm just kidding. you've never been to a bar um <laughs> <laughs> just to clarify, <laughs> just to clarify. Uh, so yeah what do we think is it uh different there are there any unique aspects um i mean for for us it's it's been interesting i noticed i bumped into a couple people that were like yeah geez there's in the parish i'm at it's it's young um there's lots of families with kids uh there's like a young married couple going, like, geez, we feel like we had to have a kid before we could fit in here. <laughs> um, so it's kind of the opposite problem. Um, <laughs> but I know in just in other uh, communities we've been in before, uh, there's, there's like this gap. And I think it's strange that once you're married, uh, single people, some single people almost feel like, well, this is all married couples. They have kids. Why is this different? Uh, I think some of the, no, that's your family. It's there is a thing, but I, I don't get the aversion to that. Um, I mean, groups potentially can't do it well, but uh, for me in college, I had a great influence on me was being around uh, people that had graduated, but were still in town. They had families, they had kids. It was a good influence on me. I got to see close friends become fathers, uh, become husbands. And uh, that formed my idea of what that was, supposed to look like which is i mean just growth uh in in virtue so just the the virtue of being a good father the virtues that go along with that being able to watch that uh 
if you just go to the events at the bars, there's no dads with kids. <laughs> uh, but there are if you uh, spend time with them in other areas, whether that's just growing in friendships or however that works. But uh, with kids, it's tough. You can't just, uh, they just take time. Um, but I think there's, there's ways to, to make that work. Um, how does, how does 9916 handle that? Are you guys, do you guys have families show up? Is it mostly young adults? Um, and then what, what do you guys do? You guys have, have your little girl. Um, how does that, how does that work for you guys? Yeah. So with ID 916, um, it's all young adults. So, you know, twenties and thirties. So you're, you're obviously going to have, uh, both singles and engaged and married without kids and married with kids. And it's for all of them. Um, and a lot of what we actually have seen across the country, uh, in different chapters is that there tends to be clusters of, uh, people in those local communities who sort of are usually heavily one or the other. Um, and so like some communities are heavily singles, uh, you know, the younger, younger, uh, young adults, <laughs> like early twenties, right out of college, uh, no kids, not really even engaged or married yet. Um, and then other communities are mostly, um, young married couples who all have really young kids, you know, and, and then we also have the mixes too. But, um, I think it, like to your point, it's extremely important for both to be there because they can mutually, uh, benefit each other. You know, I think to be around a married couple and their child, you know, as a, as a single person is important, or even to be around a married couple without a kid, uh, to see how they're living their marriage, you know, their early marriage. Like, what is that like? What do they do? What are the rhythms of life as a, as a young married couple who are striving to live out the faith? Like, what can you learn from that as a single person who, um, you know, is either looking to get married themselves or discerning a vocation to some type of consecrated life where they're going to have to be interacting with married couples, you know, uh, and, and directing them in that way. And so, I think it's extremely important for both to be there. Um, I think there are definitely distinctions uh, in the sense that, like you said, you know, families, you're not going to find uh, families at the bar event, you know, but you will find them at maybe your monthly event, you know, like knowing that weekly events are sort of hard for families with kids, you know, because you have like a babysitter option that you always have to consider right. or something like that. So, um, I think those are specific details that have to kind of be parsed out once you're in it, but I think it's very possible to do. And I think it's, it's, uh, so what I've, important to a couple do, things to I've, I've bumped into in, in the twin cities, there's a parish called St. Mark's, I believe, I think it's in St. Paul, um, uh, St. Paul proper. Um, Oh, and now I forget the name of the religious orders that there. But every time we're in the Twin Cities, that's that's usually where we go. Um, great parish uh, religious order that has that. They're awesome. Um, if you're in the Twin Cities and you haven't haven't been to St. Mark's, um, it's it's worth worth checking out um, just to just to see how they do it, just to learn. Um, even if you're going to a different parish, uh, there's there's some great ideas there. I think you could you could take into your parish. Uh, but one of the things they do is they have. Uh, I'm just going to call it family nights. I'm not sure what the exact name is, but I have friends that are involved in that. Basically you sign up um, and part of the sign up is, I think it's once a month uh, people invite uh, friends, just families like single or, or, or married people with kids into their homes and they host dinner. And so it's people sign up. Um, there's, there's a meal, there's appetizers or something, but it's, it's purely just to meet new people, but it's in your home. And there's some intimacy with that. Again, if you come to events, um, just kind of manufactured environments, which this is still a, a manufactured environment, um, where it's not just completely organic and inviting friends over, but you have to start um, somewhere. Sometimes a catalyst helps. In this case, it certainly does. Um, but they come into the home so they can bring their kids into the home. Um, and there's kind of natural babysitters there when you've got, uh, I have, I have a pretty cute 10 month old. Everybody wants to hold my 10 month old. So I like being around other people because then I don't have to hold him, which is great. He has fun. He gets to be around other people. Um, 
and it's helpful for for my wife and I as well. Um, it, it gives us a little break, um, and there's just a, an intimacy you grow in relationships with other people when you can trust them uh, to hold your kid, or you see your kid happy with them. Um, the uh, um, so I think that's that's certainly a powerful thing. And then in Phoenix as well, there's a uh, a couple that does a rosary night at their house. Uh, so they do kind of a, a potluck style. And uh, I think they've talked about 10 families coming. They're single and, and young adults there as well. It's just organic. It's not through their parish. They started it on their own. Uh, and uh, it's, they speak of it very, very highly. It's a powerful thing. Everybody brings an appetizer um, or a drink. He's a great uh bartender and and just kind of does his own thing as a chef the best steak i've ever had he made chris um the and so he that just beautiful beautiful couple um just have great charity and they just invite people into their home or it's at different people's homes every time and they pray the rosary uh together um you can't lose if if you invite mary um and and that seems to to work really well too and that's something they did of their own power um it's it's low cost kind of to everybody everybody's got to eat dinner anyways and you spread the cost around between people and, and you don't need the parish um to do it but those are things you can invite a priest to uh, which i think is beneficial as well um so for families i think those are those are certainly some good things there um to keep in mind um well good well chris any any closing closing thoughts here we we covered some good stuff today hopefully hopefully that starts some conversations for people and was helpful yeah and just remembering to establish you know some of those rhythms of life or just to start to think about that you know what are those rhythms of life for myself uh if you're single um or married you should have rhythms of life for yourself but also if you're married for your family uh for you know work life all that, like it's really important to have those rhythms of life so that you can be living um, a really balanced, you know, interior life, community life, um, and then also reaching out to those who are not part of your community yet. Invite them into this. Yeah, that's good. I like uh, that. Gift if you, that you, if you are trying to start a small group or you're trying to build community where you're at and you're not praying every day, uh, Time for God by Father Jacques Philippe. Go buy that book, read it, start praying every day. Um, he, he, he walks you through what to do. That's a great uh, book. That's, that's the place to start. Um, Chris, that, that probably deserves a, a later episode from us as well. Just, <laughs> just, just on that one, we could spend, uh, all, all sorts of time on that. Uh, so I think that's good. Or if you're having, uh, difficulties, I think, I think for the podcast here, Chris, we'll have a kind of a Marian, uh, tip or, or just kind of uh, fact, uh, just inspirational thing at the end here. Um, so the one I was thinking about today is uh, it, it kind of fits with just struggle of community, perhaps for people as if, if community is not working out, if things aren't working, pray to our lady of sorrows, uh, specifically under that title, um, just the, the swords piercing her heart. She has uh, the power to uh, just reveal things that afflict us or, or in life. So whether it's uh, uh, sometimes God allows things not to work um and so if if we ask our lady of sorrows we could find oh that's my pride that's that's keeping things from happening or oh that's mary wants uh devotion to her she wants me to to go to her that's why um this isn't working yet or uh or just if it's it's things in your life if there's affliction perhaps there's some some spiritual warfare going on um any number of different things pray to our lady of sorrows she has incredible incredible power uh, to reveal those things um, and to, to bring us to her son. Um, so definitely take a moment um, if that's something you're struggling with and just ask Our Lady of Sorrows, just just my lady, what what are you seeking for here? Just reveal to me uh, the, the struggle that's happening. What do you want from me? Um, and she will she will answer that. Have, have great faith. She will. You, you will see an answer. Um, yeah. And just remember to uh, as a reminder that St. Louis de Montfort says, you know, Christ chose to come to us through his mother and he Amen. wants us to go to him through Chris, her. Chris, well. do you want to close us in prayer here? Yeah. In the, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We praise you, Lord Jesus. We bless you. We glorify you. 
we ask that you would uh, just send your Holy Spirit to enter our minds and our hearts to fill us with your love, peace, patience, kindness, to help us to go out and to live what you've called us to, uh, to, to bring others into this truth and to really just love our families well, to love those that we encounter every day well, um, and to just help us, Lord, bless us in this mission. Help us to grow holier and closer to you. Please uh, just take us in under, under your sacred heart that we might always be close to your sacred heart and uh, help us to love you more perfectly, to know you more perfectly, and to serve you more perfectly. And we entrust all this to, uh, through the intercession of our Blessed Mother, as we say, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Pray for us. All right, Our Lady Chris, of thank you. God bless everyone, and catch you on the next episode.